Well, hello, I'm Lisa. If I haven't met you yet, I get to serve here as our spiritual formations director, which is fun and tiring, y'all. It's a little bit of both. Um, but that's life with Jesus, right, sometimes. So I get to share today um, a little bit about something that I thought was going to go in one direction, as it often does. Jesus goes, all right, and this way. So hang in here with me, because we're, we're going to talk about a couple of things. And I want to warn you right now, pull your toes in. Um, I'm speaking to me too, but there's some things here that he's convicted me to share um, with you all. So just warning you now, if you are like, whoo, this is getting to be too much, we're just all going to practice for a second. Ready? We're going to go, okay, all right? And if it is really too much, I want to invite you just to take a breather in the lobby or whatever you need to do, get some water um, as, as you feel like you need to, Okay. So, uh, what I thought we were talking about today is a symptom that plagues our culture and our church. Um, and then Jesus is like, yeah, that's the symptom, but we also need to talk about the roots. So, this is going to be an interesting, an interesting one for us. So, the symptom, well, sorry, I'm not in a hurry. <laughs> um, the symptom is that we will often receive without giving, or we will give with the expectation to receive. Whew, okay, got chills. So first we're going to talk about receiving, and just so we're on the same page, what exactly we're talking about with receiving, I do have a definition for us, um, which means to be given, presented with, or paid something. So receiving comes from a giver giving us something, okay? Now what can happen when we are receiving for ourselves is, if you'll go to the next slide for me, where we are receiving, okay, yeah, just a second. <laughs> we're receiving, but we're not giving, okay? So what happens is we'll start to do the I need to feed myself. How can I receive? How can I receive? What if I miss out on something? Oh, they're doing that over there? I got to go to that, right? Because that's, oh, that's going to fill me up. Okay. Um, but then I'm going to miss out on this. Like, if I go to that prayer meeting, then I can't go to that group thing. And then, oh, but then my friend's having a dinner, and I need to go to their house. And then we will just continue to want more, right? We start to feed ourselves, and we need to receive, and we need to receive, and we need to receive, and we need to receive. And guess what that's called, y'all? Consuming. Okay, consuming means from the Latin, altogether take up. So toilet paper and eggs, anybody? <laughs> okay, right? So what we're doing is we are trying to feed ourselves and receive more and focus on what else we need. And meanwhile, there is somebody... Behind us, just this, okay, hold on, I'm still not done. I gotta get my, go to my prayer meeting. And there's somebody back here. There's somebody right on your shoulder. Who's waiting? Waiting for us to look up from our plates. Right? Okay? So what we're supposed to do is receive... And from this place of fullness, come out and give. 
And we come back and we receive, right? And we come out and give. Now some of us, if you're like me, I will do this where I'll go, okay, got this in the morning, did my prayer meeting, okay, read my scripture, okay, now I can go, here we go, ready? All right, feed me, feed me, feed me, what else you got, what else you got, what else you got? Hey, over there, you want to feed me, right? We do that. So we're, we're, we're learning, that's still learning, that's still learning that, oh, I need to receive. But what would be even better is to be like, hey, can you come with me and let's give, okay? So this is what we are designed to do, is to learn to receive and then give. Give it up for my handsome husband, Paxton. Thank you, sir. Thank you for being Jesus. No, no small feet. Um, and it's important that you all know, too, that this is an important part of childhood. This is an important part. From birth to age four, we need to learn to receive without giving. We need parents and caregivers with the maturity to be able to give without any expectation in return. So if we have painful early childhood experiences, this is often what's the, str the string that's pulling it, right? Because I don't know, I have to, I have to, nobody fed me, nobody took care of me, I have to, I have to, I have to, right? So this is something, I said, our toes are gonna hurt a little bit because this is something we all struggle with as human beings, to rely on the one that wants to come with us and to look up from our plate. And then the second part of this is the giving. So again, to define giving, this is to freely transfer the possession of something to someone, to hand it over freely, no strings attached, no expectation in response. It is not a gift if there's an expectation of reciprocity, okay? Jesus did not come down here and say, now you all owe me everything. That's not giving. That's not giving. So if we are giving and we expect somebody to receive and give back to us, we are always looking for, well, I gave you this. Where's mine? Well, I did that for you. Where's mine? Well, I brought you a meal. Where's mine? You never ask how I'm doing, right? And these are, we do this from a place of pain because I need to know that I matter. I need to know that I'm cared for. I need to know that somebody sees me and they can see me if I'm giving them stuff, if they, if they know that they matter. But, oh, I want you to fill that hole. I want you to fill me, not that guy. And it really is another form of consuming, Right? because I'm trying to get what I need from you as the recipient of my gift. So this is obviously gonna create resentment. This is obviously gonna cause difficulty in relationships and for a lot of us, we end relationships over something like this, where I didn't get my needs met, you didn't give what I needed you to give. And we walk away. The other hard part to spot with this is that generally those of us who do this are the greatest workers in an organization. Any hole you got, okay, here I am. Okay, it's me. Okay, I'll do it. Everyone needs me. Everyone needs me. Yes, until they don't. Right? 
until they don't. Until they don't. So we would call this like a, it's a form of pseudo-maturity. Like we would look at that person, we say, oh, they're so mature, they can give, they can do everything. It's not really the way it's supposed to be given. Okay? Again, we're filling ourselves up to receive. So I thought, okay, Jesus, this is a great sermon. Here we go. We're done. Let's talk about receiving and giving. goes, hold on a second. What's behind all that? Uh, I don't want to talk about that. Can you go to the next slide for me? What's behind that? Fear. Fear. And we know from so many times of those of us who've been reading the scriptures for a long time, perfect love casts out all fear. Who loves that verse? First John 4, 18. Perfect love casts out all fear, right? And I want to remind us, perfect love is a person. Okay? Perfect love is a person. But also... I used to think, well, it's love, and then, you know, there's truth, which is the other side of that coin. I used to think it was two sides of the same coin, and then Jesus was like, actually, I am both and. You cannot have one without the other. My love is the source of truth, and my truth is what helps you understand my love. So, while love, yes, is what casts out fear, perfect love, so is trust truth. So what happens for a lot of us is we have this trust triangle on the screen. We have God, we have other people, and we have ourselves. And most of us can only trust one or two of those. God is safe. God is so easy to run to. God is so easy for me to come and be with. But oh, people? Mm -mm. No. No, y'all are too much. You're too crazy out here. I can't, you're not predictable. I don't know what to do with you. I can't, mm -mm. Or, you know, people are safe. Oh, my friend is such a great, like, she can pray over me, and I'm just, oh, I can, like, oh, you're so safe. I just want to be with you all the time because you just fill me up. You make me feel so good, Pastor. But God... Mm -mm. Mm -mm. And most of us don't even realize that sometimes what prevents us from trusting any of these three is our anger. We are often disheartened by something and we become angry or we were taught not to. I was taught the world is not safe. People are not to be trusted. There are dangerous people out there. And a lot of it came from just my own family of origin. Like, people can't be trusted. It's got to be on me. I got to take care of me. And I got I to gotta get what I need. I got to do what I need to do. I got to be out here. Stop hustling for your worthiness. Stop. And rest. Jesus has told me over and over again, I would rather have you come close and swear at me, which I'm like, I'm sorry, what now? He said, not curse. 
There's a difference, okay? There's a difference between cursing and swearing. Let's just be real. He's like, I'd rather have you come close and say all those things you need to say, get all of that out, put it on me. That's what I went to the cross for. Than to turn around and walk away. He would rather have us get close with our anger, with our sadness, with our disappointment, with our shame, with our disgust, with our despair, everything we can think of, than to turn around and walk the other way. So we get to, we'll come back to this. Um, let's sit with that for just a moment. And let's instead turn in our Bibles. We're going to be hanging out with our guy Matthew today um, in chapter 6. Usually John's my guy, but, you know, Matthew's got the details, so I do appreciate that about him. So Matthew 6, we're in, um, oh, I'm sorry, Matthew 14. I apologize. Matthew 6 is coming later. Matthew 14, starting with verse 22, and this is a familiar story, I'm sure. You've heard this since you were little. Just to give you some context, Jesus has just fed the 5,000. So he's just done his fish and loaves miracle. Probably pretty tired. And immediately, right after he's done, tells the disciples, hey, go get in that boat, and I want you to go to the other side, and I'm going to get, I'll take care of dismissing everyone. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. So what is Jesus doing right here? Receiving. See it? You guys got it. Gold star for the front row. Receiving. And when evening came, he was there alone. But this time, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. This would be about between 3 and 6 a.m. How many of y'all know that Jesus talks between 3 and 6 a.m.? As God's hour. <laughs> yes, that part. Um, and it's interesting because in um, the other two Gospels that share this story, um, I want to say it's John and Mark, so forgive me if I'm mistaking that, but um, in John and Mark 6, they share this story, and I forget which one it is, but one of them says, and Jesus had intended to actually walk past them, so that was funny to me that I was like, he's like, oh, okay, you guys got this, I'll see you on the other side. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost, and they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come out to you on the water. So Jesus said, All right, Peter, you got something to prove? Come on. I think that was Peter's personality, y'all. And I think that was why maybe, you know, Mark and John didn't put that in there because we're not about to embarrass our boy any further by sharing that part of the story. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. We have a little joke in our staff. We don't know what to say. Lord Jesus, help us. Here it is. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying, 
You have little faith. Why did you doubt? And when they got in the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. A couple things for context here, just to add a little more color to the story. Um, I don't know if you know this, but the Sea of Galilee was quite significant because the Israelites as desert dwellers were not good swimmers. So the sea to them was really more like a lake, but it represented the vastness of God's creation. And when a lot of the writers would talk about things like the Leviathan or the, the bottomless pit, this is actually what they're referring to as the Sea of Galilee. So this is a physical location in their minds. And when Jesus is walking on the water and calming the waves, it's more than just the natural elements obeying him and his authority as God. He's literally walking across the pit of hell. That is the authority with which he is walking on the water. So the water is very representative <clears throat> in this story for a number of reasons, but the most important thing with, it, with which I think he's speaking about today is fear. That we are often walking across a lake of hell. And we say, Jesus, help me. We're like, okay, Jesus, can we go out on this water? Can we come out here with you? He's like, yeah, come on. Come on, let's go. And we get out there and we go, oh, never mind. And he goes, no, no. Hold on a second. It's also important to know, too, that um, the phrase, oh, you of little faith, used to mean for me like a lot of shame, like a kind of a, almost like Jesus was kind of unhappy with Peter, you know, kind of this feeling of like, why? Like, you know me so well, why are you downing? Almost that look of kind of maybe disgust a little bit, for lack of a better word, but just kind of, maybe disappointment's a better one for that, not as strong of a word. So Jesus might have, we, we kind of, at least I, infer that he's like disappointed with us. Like, I'm disappointed, like you had faith, why did you doubt me? So I researched just exactly what this phrasing means in Aramaic, and the word little in Aramaic is um, ziora, and it really is more of like the idea of someone who's young and inexperienced, almost kind of like an apprentice. So somebody who's learning a skill, but has not quite achieved the mastery of it yet. And then the, the word why, when he says, why did you doubt, the Aramaic word lamana, can mean why, but also can mean but. In other words, you have young and experienced faith, and you walked on water. How great is that? But then you let fear cause you to doubt. And doesn't that feel more like Jesus? Like that, oh, I hope you can feel this with me. It feels like him to say, Peter, you were doing so good. You were doing so good. And then you let doubt come in. And I, it's important for us to know that faith, this little faith phrase, you of little faith, actually shows up somewhere else that Peter would have heard. So this is where we're going to flip over to Matthew 6. And this, if you're familiar with the Beatitudes, um, is the Sermon on the Mount. So Peter's likely involved, I would think, at the event this day. And Jesus is stepping on our toes again about being anxious. And starting at verse 30, but if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not 
much more clothe you, you of little faith. You have a lot of faith. Well, why do you doubt that I will clothe you? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles, or in our translation for today, our culture, seek after all these things. Eggs and toilet paper. And your Heavenly Father knows you need them. Jesus knows you need toilet paper. What's more, not only does he know it, he actually cares. Okay? Like, that's what blows my mind, is it's not that this magnificent, amazing, three-in-one God came. There's so many wonderful things, but the fact that he cares if you have clothes and toilet paper and eggs and food on the table, he knows all that. And then he looks at you going, y'all, why are you doubting me? Do you not see? Can you not see what what I've done for you? But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. I like the phrasing, each day has enough trouble of its own. I like it that way. Yep, each day has enough trouble of its own. In other words, we have faith to receive and trust for what we need. But then fear robs us and turns us back into consumers. We sink into the water doing this. The problem with faith, if you want to call it a problem, I think it's a problem, is it only exists in the present. We can't store it up like a bank account. I can't put a deposit of faith in an account and then go, oh, I wonder if that'll work today. Not really. I would, like, I would like to ask Jesus that question. How could I have stored up faith? And the reason that this matters to us, too, is because of the way we're, we're wired. We're literally created for our minds to pay attention to what happened in the past so we can stay safe to predict the future, right? You know if you touched a hot stove as a kid, you're probably not going to do that again anymore, Right? But the mind, when it's allowed to, is also what will take us off into the water and then go, wait a second, where are we? We can't do this. Right? Our thoughts will actually create that anxiety of, I need to get more, I need to get more, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, so I better make sure I've got... Now, don't, he- don't hear me say, like, some preparation is needed. I had to prepare a sermon today. Like, there's, you know, that's a thing. But the difference is, am I receiving what I need from him to prepare, or am I going out to get it on my own? Do you see the difference? Right? And what's important to also know is, so the mind lives either in the past or the future, which makes it, it's a wonderful gift, y'all, but sometimes, whew. Like, when I was trying to prepare for this, I was like, if my mind does not get out of here about worrying about this sermon. But it's our bodies that stay in the present. There's a wisdom in being embodied 
Remember, we're souls with a physical body. There's a wisdom our body has to offer us about staying here in the moment. So for those of us who have difficulty trusting ourselves, we may not be aware of what's happening in our bodies. It's not safe there. It's safe to stay. In my mind, I can control. In my mind, I can take care of myself. In my mind, I can get what I need because I can go out and do it. My mind is so smart, has so many solutions. It can do it. It can come up with all the answers that I need to, to figure out what I need to go get. And Jesus goes, you know everything? Okay. I'll wait. I got all the time in the world. It's so annoying. He is never in a hurry. It's so annoying. Would you just get over here and help me? Because the mind is there, but the body's not yet. And Jesus is more concerned about what we're doing with the little faith we have then he is about catching up to your plans for yourself. One of my favorite lines is, anything I can plan for myself is too small. I can tell you right now, I never, Jesus told me I was going to be a pastor. I was like, that's not true. That's not true. That's not true. We argue all the time. Yeah. No. Well, in fact, he knows to tell me with enough time for me to finally come around to like, okay, yes, you're right. In fact, I always laugh because I tell people, like, Jesus knew what I needed to be, to be more like him because I told him, I was like, I'm never going to get married. If I get married, I'm never going to have kids. If I have kids, I'm never going to have a daughter. And y'all know what he did? He laughed. He laughed. It was like, and guess what, daughter? <laughs> tell, tell God what you're not going to do, right? Tell God what you're not going to do. Just don't say it out loud, okay? Because that's what it really, yeah. So let's go to the next slide. So this is, this trust triangle is part of what's needed for us to learn how to give and receive without fear. I have to know that my body is a safe place for me to experience God so that I can know if I'm hearing him. I have to know that God is with me in my soul. And my soul and my mind are two different things. Here's how smart God is, okay? A lot of us, me included, really die on the hill of our beliefs. Really will die, like, for what we believe in. And hear me when I say it. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But our minds have something that goes deeper than belief called attachment. And what will happen is your behavior will change, your beliefs will actually change based on who you love. And if you need proof, look at cults, look at gangs, look at political parties. People that, in my life, I could have honestly, could have looked 10 years ago and been like, they're never going to think like that. They're never going to be that way. Are that way. Because of who they're attached to. Right? So if we don't learn how to experience God in our bodies, our beliefs will go with the wind. Someone gives us a different, different interpretation of scripture, and we're like, okay. 
And someone says, God thinks that way, and we go, okay. Right? We do. So hear me when I say it's not about, it's not about smashing down beliefs and they're, and no, no, no. Beliefs are good. Beliefs are important. What I'm saying is that there's something deeper that God has for us than just what we believe because who we love impacts what we believe and how we treat ourselves, God, and the people around us. So what I want to challenge us with today is to look at the triangle. Just kind of sit for a minute. See which one or two maybe are really hard. And we can ask, Lord Jesus, help us. How do I learn to trust myself? How do I learn to trust others? How do I learn to trust you? Maybe that looks like getting really mad at him for a while or crying for a while to release some of that with him. And what's important for us to be paying attention to is on the next slide, Learn to trust the love that holds you. You are held in the Father's hands. You can't be taken from them. No circumstances on earth, no human, no entity, no lake of hell can take you from those hands. How often do we pay attention to staying in the moment of faith to be able to trust? And our brains are very powerful. They'll tell us, get out of here. Bad, scary, bad, scary, danger, danger, Will Robinson. Go, run. Like Peter's did. The waves are coming. Oh, the wind, the waves. His brain was like, let's, this is, ooh, get back in the boat. Right? And Jesus goes, you have faith. You have it. You know me. Don't let fear rob you of it. Stay with me. So our reflection and action for today, we're going to talk about this for a few minutes, and then we're actually going to get to do a little practical application. Um, the first, and this is a chronological list. I want to say that first and foremost. The first thing we need to know is where do we belong? Where do we feel safe with God? Where do we feel safe with other people? Where do we feel safe within ourselves? For some of us, it's in our mind, and that's okay. But I want to encourage us to just try to deepen that a little bit more, kind of let it in a little bit more. Just push that, your ed, the edge of your mind's imagination just a little bit to kind of wonder, what could it be like to feel safe in my chest or in my back or in my legs, right? So where do we feel safe with God? Where do we feel held by him? Where do we feel safe with others? 
I would love to tell you it's here, that you are safe here. And I want that to be true for you, but I can't make that decision for you. It is something we actively work on to be a safe space. And then the second part has to do with receiving. We have to learn to receive before we can give. Cannot give off of an empty plate. We also can't put the food on the plate ourselves. We have to trust the giver, which is hard. But that's why we need others with us that can say, this sucks. It's so hard to wait for Jesus to put food on your plate. But that's what community is for. And it deepens your bond with each other as you wait on the Lord. It's suffering well, right? So learning what satisfies us and how to receive those good things, two big ones are self-care and rest. We are working here actively to start to build more of a culture of rest. And that goes against some cultural norms. And I honor that. I honor that. I honor that that is against what some of you have been taught and lived your whole lives. But if it was what Jesus did, if it's what Jesus wants for you, And that's what we want for you, too. You get to come here and rest and fill yourselves up. So please learn what you need to satisfy your soul, what fills your heart and your mind and your soul with good things. And if you don't know, come and ask. Any one of us would love to be with you while you process that. Okay? And last but not least, once we have feel the safety of belonging, and once we have learned how to hug Jesus and take him with us on the water, now we get to give. Now we get to pour out all of that we have as he tells us, remember, we're not running around. There's a hole here. Let me fill it. There's a hole there. Let me fill it. We're not doing that. And I just want to say right now, if it's something you do, we might lovingly ask, hey, I noticed that you're kind of, okay? So this is the part that I was like, okay, Lord, this is, whew, you want to you wanna put this in practice. He said, he said, water. He kept saying water to me. And I'm like, does that mean we're having a baptism? He said, no, we're going to do a feet washing. So for those of us who need to learn how to give, because we've been receiving for a long time, we've been filling ourselves up right? We've been walking around taking care of ourselves and we've been really like head down kind of in our plate sort of. Those of us who have been doing that for a while, you might feel a prick in your heart to come and be the one to wash feet. 
you might be the giver. And for those of us who have been running around and I'm giving to you 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 and we're just kind of deflated, I want to invite you to come up and have your feet washed. I want you to receive this gift that Jesus wants to give you. And also during this time, we will be um, doing communion. So it's going to be a little different than how we traditionally do it, where um, you'll still be dismissed by row to come up, but we're not going to take it all at the same time. This is a space for you to really do the work you need with the Lord in regards to what part of this, giving and receiving, he wants you to partake in, okay? But before you do put the communion in your mouth, I want you to just sit with receiving that gift and just remembering what that means to you and how you can live that communion out every day that you are fully seen and you are fully known and that you don't have to fill up the Sunday morning and then go run the rest of the week on your own. It's not what church is for. We're here to do life together, to be community together. And that sometimes means coming back over and over again and receiving. And then also, once you've received what you need from him, going out and giving and giving and giving. So, yeah, we're just going to spend about 10 minutes or so in this place. Um, And I invite you to come up as you feel led. And I'll also be here if you need prayer. And um, ushers, as you feel ready, go ahead and just start dismissing people so that they can come and receive. but there are no words to express our gratitude. There's no way to speak all of your goodness and how much you love us. Lord Jesus, help us to believe that to be true. Help us to receive that not only in our minds, but in our hearts in our souls, and in our bodies. Remind us, whenever we start to walk on the water with you, and we start to see the wind and the waves, that you are with us. And you are proud of us. You're proud that we're even on the water with you in the first place. Help us receive that truth that we are loved and we are held by you and that our doing comes out of this place of being loved and being seen. And if his eye is on the sparrow, How much more closely is he paying attention to you?
But your Heavenly Father knows that you need these things. And He's a good Father. In your name we pray. As you leave today, take good care of yourselves. Rest. Honor what you need. And I just want to invite you to remain mindful of what it feels like in this place this morning. And to, as you can, throughout your days and weeks, to try to come back to this memory and soak in it. Our minds are beautiful that they will allow our bodies to relive things like it's happening in the moment, and that is a gift. So allow yourself to come back and receive what you've, what you've been given today. Jesus is so glad to be with you. And I hope you feel that when you come here, as we are glad to be with you too. You are all deeply loved more than you can imagine. Blessings over you all, and feel free to leave as you feel ready.